0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Penny Lane Podcast. On today's episode, Blaine is joined by Singles and Doubles to talk about trading in today's market, being a versatile trader, their strategies, and more. This episode is brought to you by Roback and the Personify app. Make sure to subscribe to the Penny Lane Podcast on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy. Singles and Doubles. Hi. Welcome back to the Penny Lane Podcast. How are you?
1: Good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Um... You know, before we started recording, we were kind of reminiscing just about how how far we've come on the podcast, how far the podcast has come on its own. But in a lot of ways, we've really been on this journey together. I mean, you were one of my first five guests, and then you've come on at such pivotal pivotal times. And I really honestly feel like you're kind of a member of the team. And, uh, you know, here we are, we've made it we've made it really far and uh, I appreciate the huge, huge role that you've played in that. So thank you.
1: Thank you. And thank you for having me on again. I think this is our, our fourth podcast together. So I'm honored and uh, glad we could do this today.
0: Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you, so we, um, I guess it was in our last podcast, we talked just, we talked about bag holding, And I wanted to know sort of how that, how you felt like the aftermath of that was.
1: Well, that's a great question. I think that um, the interview that we did was the the most recent podcast was back in January of this year, I want to say. And so, as you know, the market since then has not necessarily been real favorable to the long biased traders. And as it pertains to bag holding, that means that a number of stocks are actually in worse shape, not better shape than they were back, um, many months ago earlier this year. And so my feelings have not changed. I think it's the greatest deterrent to anybody being successful as a trader. And, um, We're seeing it play out firsthand in a number of ways.
0: What would you think is the percentage of traders? Like, obviously, I know you don't know this, but just if you had a guess, the percentage of day traders who came on in 2020, what percentage of them do you think still remain as a day trader today?
1: Uh, that's that's a very good question. I think that um, I think that more than half probably aren't day traders, uh, and they may not even be active traders. Um, and I think that you know there's a real contrast, as you know and and everyone listening knows, between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty two. And I don't know what that actual number is, but here's what I do know. Uh, I'm on Twitter every day. You're on Twitter every day. Um, I'm in a Discord, more than one, every day. And there's a lot of people that were around and very active in 2020 that aren't around and active in 2022. And I assume that that's for one of two reasons. Either they had a personal situation in their life a life event that forced them to do some different things, and that's fine. I have total respect for anybody in that group and 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 completely understand if they had to pull away. I think that group is the minority, uh, and the majority is the, the, the latter group, which is comprised of people that were thinking that this was just a piece of cake two years ago that have realized uh, since really the spring of 2021, and certainly in 2022, that it's not easy, that it's not simple, that you don't just show up. And I think a lot of those people have been blown up uh, with their accounts and maybe not blown up where they you know lost all the money, but I think that they lost enough money and lost enough faith in what we're doing or what they're doing as a trader that they just decided that they were going to go a different direction. So I think that number is a much higher percentage than many people think based on the width the market has been this year um, for long biased traders.
0: I I would think that it's more than 50%. I, and And I actually hadn't even thought of the point of all the people who were active there's a lot of people who are being very, very quiet these days, and it's – I don't know. its
1: I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a big number. Um, I think there's a lot of people who may be kind of on the edge of uh, leaving the business and are just hanging on. And getting back to your, your bag-holding question earlier, I think that has a lot to do with it. I think a lot of people held positions no matter if it's small caps, large caps, whatever it is, they held positions and held positions and held positions and it hasn't turned and it may never turn and they're stuck and they don't have money on the sidelines to take advantage of opportunities because they're holding these positions with too much capital out there in the market. And so it's kind of a snowball effect where they're, they're in a weak uh, position and can't take advantage of opportunities when they come around. And um, until things turn and maybe they can bail out, I think that it's a tough road. It's a rough road, and it's something I, I really try to preach often to protect people if they're listening from being in that situation because that's where, you know, it's trading is no fun. Uh, and, and you're, you're constantly, um, really just hoping and praying that you get a a miracle press release or something happens, that's going to bail you out. And that's not, that's not the way to trade successfully.
0: I personally have been wondering why does it seem so much harder to make money in a bear market if you can trade short or buy puts like it like blows my mind because like you look at the spy chart and it's like okay well it's clearly like trending downward so it was clearly trending upward in in 2020 and is it some type of like mental shift of like the market is falling or like our market i know that there is less volume in the market Our market conditions legitimately that much more difficult that it is like very, very difficult to trade right now? Or is it more mentality that we're in a bear market?
1: Well, I think, you know, if, if you're a if you're a short seller, um, 2020 was not a good year for you because the market could not be held down. Everything was going up. Uh, there were the corrections um, uh, starting in March and April of 2020 were minimal and so if you were a short seller it was ugly and the opposite is has been the case really for the majority of this year uh, the last couple days in the market you know to start october notwithstanding and so if you're a short seller you're loving 2022 right it's been great because the bias like you said is straight down, lower, weekly, monthly—you know—the the trend is is down um, with the uh, with the spy and with all the major indexes, the Dow, the Nasdaq, everything. So, I think that the belief is, if you had to step back, I think the belief in markets is that over time markets go up, and I think that with blue chip stocks and quality companies over time, they're going to go higher because they're making money, they're innovative, they're finding new ways to use technology, new ways to use personnel, um, new products. So the the trend is up, and, and I think a lot of people feel like it's counterintuitive to try to short those stocks. But from a business standpoint, being able to Play both sides, and I know you personally have been doing some of this recently, and, and you've had some success doing it. Um, to have that ability in your arsenal as a trader is important. You know, you you have probably traded short a lot more than me, whether it's with stocks or options or anything. I don't do it very often, uh, but I understand the importance of doing it if you want to. In my case. When I want to go against the market, I'm usually buying SPXU, which is triple inverse, the, the the SPY, because I don't necessarily want to pick one stock. I'll just play the basket by buying the index to go down and play it that way. Uh, but you got to be able to do that if the situation calls for it, because if you're just trading one way and that way is not the direction the market is heading over time, that's tough. That's tough because you're really handcuffed because what's happened this year is long positions, you know, you you, you can't get any, any runway and then hold it. Stocks will move up a little bit and then most of them are pulling right back because shorts are waiting to pounce because they smell blood. And so until that trend changes to where it's significant and seen, the trend is down. And I think even though the market the last couple of days has been up big, the trend is still down. and so will we will that will that manifest itself in the month of October, or will we keep going higher? I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is psychologically you've got to be able to play it both ways and and choose what you think is going to happen and 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 go that direction. And so you know I know a lot of people that will only play one way. Uh, primarily, and and that's probably not the best way to to go about it when you have a bear market. A lot of people haven't seen big bear markets, so it's it's new for them. But the reality is, if you look at this bear market for 2022, the SPY is down like 21% after today, and, and as of last Friday, two days ago, I think it was down 26%. And people say to me, well, have you ever have you ever seen something like this? Have you ever traded in something like this? And I tell him, "Yes." I mean, in 2008, the the spy was down 55% during the correction, 55% versus 21% after today this year. In 2020, which is very recent, it was a 33% drop in the spy in a very short amount of time in first quarter. And so when you have drops like that, you better be able to play it both ways. Because if not, then you're probably better off just sitting in cash, waiting for it all to clear out, and then you can step back in. But those are those are real, real bear markets where panic sets in. You, know, you saw it also in 1987. You saw it in 2001 with 9-11, where the market was closed for a few days. There was panic, obviously, for valid reasons, and... There was panic in 2008 and 2020, you know, because of the financial crisis in 08 and COVID in 2020. I mean, you're talking about things that people hadn't seen before and they didn't know how to react to it. They didn't know what to do. Um, Some may argue, well, 2022 is like that as well because of this inflation and the Fed raising and all these different things. But the reality is panic has not set in yet and hopefully it won't and the market will stabilize and start rising back up from here uh, over time but you know in 08 i remember 55% i mean you could not get out of the way but if you were a short seller it was one of the greatest periods as a trader that someone could ever have so you got to be able to play both ways and then decide after that what you <coughs> think is going to happen
0: So I think that that kind of goes back to my original question because I don't, on Twitter, see a lot of people who have successfully switched to being a short seller and been able to kind of like transition from doing very, very well in 2020 to like continuing to kill it now. Like that, that I, I just haven't seen. Have you seen that?
1: No. There are certain people on Twitter that you know are predominant short sellers. And so when they are tweeting about short positions, it's not a surprise because that's the way they trade. All good. No problem. Right. But I think that I think a lot of people who typically trade long when they go short, um, they don't really announce it. They don't really uh, call it out as much. They just kind of do it if at all. I mean, I I'll just speak for myself. I don't I don't short stocks very often, um, but when I do, play the SPXU. I you know I, I almost don't feel like calling it out, because I know, a lot of people are are long positions, and technically, um, I'm hoping for a different result. And I you know I don't want to necessarily announce that. But as a trader, I have to be true to what I'm seeing on the chart, trading what I'm seeing. And so I'm going to do it that way. But I may not call it out. I think a lot of people are, are that way where they may not announce it if they're not typically known as someone who's shorting. And I don't think there's anything wrong if they do call it out because that's, what, that's how markets are made. So mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing wrong with it. The other thing is I think that it's awkward for a lot of people to start shorting. Uh, when they're used to being on the long side because of FOMO, I think they're terrified that if they start going short, the market's going to reverse immediately, and you're going to see what happened like happened today in the market and and, and yesterday in the market, and all of a sudden they're kicking themselves because they were long up until a couple days ago thinking that everything was going to crash this week, and the exact opposite happened the first two days, and they got caught. And so, you know, even if they're thinking about shorting, I don't think that necessarily they're doing it because of the fear of missing the pop uh, when it occurs. I mean, the the SPY was down at 358, I want to say, on Friday, maybe 357, and it closed today almost at 378. That's a huge move. In fact, I think it's the biggest two-day move we've had since COVID um, for the SPY. So I think people are were afraid to miss it and so rather than short they either stayed long in certain positions or they stayed in cash until it turned and they could start buying
0: i I think the fact what did you say was the mark, the spy is down twenty one percent this year
1: approximately yes
0: so that is not a large this is just my own, like going through why I think this is happening. That is not a large enough percentage, I guess, to then kick people into the panic or whatever. So you don't really see it switching to like, oh, now I'm going to kill it short selling or puts or whatever, because like I I prefer puts and I like am kind of always rooting for the market to go down. Um, but even I have not been killing it this year because you're, you're always like, well, is this a bottom? Is this a false bottom? Is that like it, you don't even really trust that it is like a real true bear market, but maybe that's always how the market is. And I'm just kind of like now focusing on it.
1: You know, when you see uh, a huge rally in the market over time, Or you see a huge drop in the market over time. It usually doesn't happen like that every single day, right? I mean, it goes back and forth, sometimes more dramatically than other times when there's volatility. But I think that people are afraid of getting whipsawed where, okay, I'm long. Well, now I'm short. Well, now I'm long again. Now I'm short again. And it's very tough to time it that way for people Even for day traders, I mean, it's not easy. You know, when I'm playing the SPXU, um, I may play it two or three times during the day, and then the other times I'm long and might be buying the SPY. But it's not easy to time it because there's volatility there and it's moving around. And I think that sometimes it's easier just to, even though you can trade long and short, to maybe just stay on one side if that's not your cup of tea. And you're not really sure what to do. Especially for for swing traders. You know. If you're going to swing trade it. uh, And you think the market's going down. Then you're probably going to want to settle into that position for a while. And depending on what the trend is. That's either going to work out for you or it's not. Uh, And and I I think a lot of people aren't comfortable. With um, having to make that decision. um, Very often. So. You know, it's tricky.
0: For sure. For sure. Especially
1: Um, when you look at, at, you know, the fact that we're recording this, and I think today is October 4th, with the massive rally in the market, anyone that thinks from here that the bottom is in is, uh, there may be some people that think that, and and I promise you there's a lot of people that don't think that. And again, that's what makes markets. But, you know, trying to trade that is, I mean, like in my case as a a primary day trader, I am making no assumptions about what's going to happen tomorrow, regardless of what happened today. And it wouldn't have surprised me today after yesterday if the market tanked, you know, because for the past six months, that's kind of how it's been after every big day. The next day was awful, right? Today was different. What will tomorrow be? I don't know. That's why I always tell people to trade what you see, not what you think you want to see. So I think that that's the only way you can play it in times of volatility. And certainly we're in those times right now.
0: Something that has really dawned on me recently, I think actually I talked about it in the mom and trades episode. It has been a very like lonely and kind of depressing realization that has dawned on me that literally nobody knows what's going to happen. It, it does not matter how much, you know, how smart you are, what indicators you use. Like nobody knows. And I spent the first two years of my trading somehow believing that like there was a way to kind of navigate to a way where either I could, I could know, or I could find someone who did like reasonably know. And you, now that I'm aware that nobody knows, it's so obvious just scrolling through Twitter, like two people who have the equal amount of experience the same track record, the same knowledge, the same chart can be just like completely different with what they think is going to happen. And I don't I know that probably those people listening to this are thinking like, well, no shit, Blaine, like, of course, and I don't know why it took me that long to sort of realize that. But it's, it's been a a weird sort of shift for me.
1: Well, it's very true. And You see people with decades of experience that get it right. And you see people with decades of experience that get it wrong. And, you know, everything from what's the rate hike going to be from the Fed to where's Apple going from here. I mean, I I watched uh, Fast Money last week, a show on CNBC. I, I mean, I like those guys. You know, they do a great job and everything. And they're talking about Apple, and they're calling for sub 120. And guess what? Maybe we still hit sub 120, but you got it wrong on the last couple days because when Apple hit 136 or seven or wherever it it, it hit a few days ago, it bounced and none of them thought it was going to bounce. And it's, you know, I'm not picking on them because I think they're very, very smart and I like the show, but people get it wrong. And so again, you know, I've been trading for a long time, um, and I get it wrong all the time uh, when I'm guesstimating on what stuff's, what's going to happen. And the only way that I can work through that is to tell myself, trade what you see. Trade what you see, because what you think is not necessarily going to be right, and if you're wrong and you step in big, that's going to hurt. That's going to be a painful trade for you. So what do you see? You know, tomorrow, how are we going to open up or down? I mean, right now the, the, the spy is down almost a point from the close, but how will it open? What will happen then? Who knows? You know, you don't have to, unless you're playing futures contracts, um, you don't have to guess. You can wait and watch it and then make a decision. And I find that to be the, the, the most risk averse way to go, you know, let it play out a little bit. And then step in and take your position, no matter what it is, long, short, whatever you want to do.
0: I One of the the things that you tried to tell me a very long time ago, and it's, I think that you and I have talked about that somebody can tell you something 25 times and then the person can tell it to you, a new person can tell it to you for a 26th time. And you're like, oh, that really makes sense to me. Um is, you know, I've been working with Real Simple Ariel, who I adore, and I've been spending a ton of time with him. And he basically just repeats over and over to me the main principles of his trading, which has been very helpful because it's made it so simple to me. But when I've realized that nobody knows what's going to happen in the market, and really the only thing that I can really, really, really control is how much I'm going to risk on the trade. Things have gotten so, so much less fearful for me. Like, yes, you can, you can control your entry and like make it a small risk, but you actually have less control over that than like exactly what you're going to risk on it. And knowing that that's all you can possibly lose has just been like, I don't have to know where the market's going. That's it's exactly right. It's been very right. freeing.
1: That's exactly right. And it's the key to what you said. First of all, uh, uh, Ariel is a great trader. He, he he is a tremendous trader and he understands the psychology of the business as well. I'm a big fan of his. Um, what what you just said Is so important because you're thinking through the potential trade before you make it and you are determining what your risk amount is going to be maximum and then pulling the trigger and making the trade. Far too many people jump in and they haven't really thought it through. And whether your max risk is a hundred bucks or a thousand dollars or five grand or ten or whatever the number is, it does not matter. What matters is you have decided before you go in what it's going to be, and then you're accepting the result. And so, you know, if the stock starts to move higher, well, then your risk is going to go down because you're going to move your stop loss up and all good. But if not, there's a maximum amount, unless something dramatic happens to the stock where it halts or something like that, you know. But in the the normal course of business, yes. And And the key is, which you said, you're planning it from the beginning. It, it takes a, a huge weight off your back, you know, with that backpack when you realize, okay, my max exposure here is $200 uh, if I'm wrong. But if I'm right, it could be a lot more than that. Okay, I like it. That makes sense, that reward versus risk. I'm making this trade. And then honoring the stop if you're wrong. That is the entire key to trading, you know, the entire key. And the people that have a problem right now are are people that either didn't have a plan going in to those trades or they had a plan and just said, screw it. I'm going to blow right through this stop sign because the market's going to pop and I'll get it all back.
0: Yep. So I I don't know if you saw my tweet today, but my uh, daily p was negative $1,300. It, I did not mean to hijack this episode and just tell you about me. I just enjoy talking to you so much. But I so I am I am mean, gonna tell you the story. But um so what happened was I had Tesla puts from Friday. So I had I think I had three contracts on three different dates on Friday. And I was up a lot on Friday. So I scaled a third to a half of each of those positions and I actually rolled it into a further away date and had managed that trade great, like had a great profit on it and then was like perfectly comfortable holding that trade. It was working. So then I held it yesterday through yesterday and I scaled off a little bit more. And then according to my system that I'm working now, there was no reason that i had to get out of that trade like i it could have gone a lot further or i was so far away from my entry that i like was totally fine to let it play out and i knew what i was risking and then today you know the market had a big day and tesla had a huge move up and i put my stops just above my entry and was like if we get stopped out, this was an incredible trade. Like I'd already taken so much off that the unrealized gains, it wasn't even my money. Like I I wasn't attached to that money at all. And I'm, I know that it wasn't a loss. Those were just my kind of like lotto shares. And so I put my stops in and knew that they were probably going to get hit. And I was so comfortable with that because that had been my plan from the beginning that as they were about to get hit, I was able to take a spy call trade and made like $350 on that. And I wasn't like, oh, let me like micromanage this Tesla. I'm just like, that trade's going to do what it's going to do. And I'm going to put this on and I'm going to manage it. And I was so like calm during in both of the trade like I did get stopped out of Tesla and the call the SPY calls went great. And I was looking at the PL and it said, like, I lost sixteen hundred dollars unrealized gains on the Tesla and then I made the 350 on SPY. And I'm looking at it like that's probably the best trading you've ever done. Um when you're down to one contract, like obviously I couldn't have scaled out any more of that profit and maybe I could have moved the stop up, but that move happened so quickly on open that I, I really just needed to, that was my plan. So anyway, I called Ariel and I was like, I know it looks like I lost a lot of money today, but like, let me talk this through. And he made me feel, he like backed up the fact that that was, the best thing I could possibly have done. And he's like, Blaine, you didn't know how far that trade was going to go. You never know how much you're going to get paid on any single trade. All you can do is protect the gains you've made and be safe and put those stops in and follow those rules. And whatever you get from that trade is what you get, but you were like calm and you executed the plan. And that was like, perfect. And somehow that shift has given me like such a sense of control I really did not mean to talk about myself for five minutes I don't even know why I meant why I really wanted to tell you that story but but I did
1: <laughs> I think that I think that you you executed the trade correctly right the trade didn't work okay but aside from the fact the trade did not work you didn't you didn't you didn't revise your stop. You know, you didn't take a bigger hit than you had planned if it didn't work. You were calm. You took another position during the meantime because you saw something while that trade was going on. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with what you did. It was just a trade that didn't work. And, you know, it's interesting because we all have trades that don't work. But what keeps me up at night, if there is something that would keep me up at night, it would be if if i broke rules with a trade rather than a trade that doesn't work i mean when a totally. trade you, you know we we all have trades that don't work trades that didn't work today i'll have trades that don't work tomorrow trades that didn't work last week it's part of trading but if you're trading within your plan and you thought your plan through then okay you're going to have trades that do work you're going to make a lot more than the 13 or 1600 you know and over time That's how you become a successful trader because of the decisions that you're making. But I mean, I don't have any problem at all with the story that that you said. And um, I think the fact that you were calm about it shows a level of maturity as a trader that maybe you didn't have a year ago or two years ago, you know, where now you can step in and go, okay, this is my, this is the trade. I'm calm with it. I accept the result. I'm making this trade. And then you do. Bo. Blaine.
0: We're hat twins. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. I'm so excited that we're sponsored by Roback now. I have been wearing my gear ever since it came in the mail, and I love the colors, but I especially love this little dog. I wore him to the pool last night, and people were giving me the thumbs up.
2: <laughs> yeah, this stuff is awesome. I had um, heard about it before and always wanted some, but now that I have it, it has exceeded all of my expectations.
0: Is this your first time receiving a gift in the mail from a company and like opening it and checking out the product?
2: Uh it might be. It certainly is associated with the podcast.
0: I was I have gotten those before and I was blown away by the quality of this product. It far exceeded what I thought that it would be. And I truly think I'm just gonna like live in it all fall. Yeah. It's so comfortable. Yeah,
2: I've been playing golf a lot this summer. And so I like all my golf gear. But the thing about golf shirts is like the sleeves are always too long and they're always too baggy. And like, you know, I'm relatively in shape, guy. So this fits me perfectly. I still have full range of my arms to swing a golf club. And like, I could wear this doing anything, not just golf. Like, they got hoodies they got quarter zips it's like nice and stretchy i love every single thing i got
0: me too me too i love it it all looks so good together it's part of a set and i feel so thrilled to be able to offer our listeners a 20 percent off code which is
2: penny 20
0: (laughs) all right so you go to roback.com which is r-h-o B-A-C-K dot com and you just enter penny 20. You get 20% off and thank us when your order arrives because it's lovely. You also know how much I love uh, opening experience. Like I'm, I'm such a snob about packaging and the way things are presented. And it was a treat.
2: Yeah. The shit's awesome. I'm not like, yeah. don't even have to like, I would just promote this to anybody regardless of a sponsor or whatever. Cause this shit slaps.
0: Also, you've already been like low-key pumping out the penny 20 to your closest friends because you really believe in it.
2: No, absolutely. I'm, I'm sending this to all my friends because it's shit I think that they're going to want anyways. So, you know, why not take advantage of the discount and rep it everywhere?
0: Totally. Thank you, Roback. We appreciate you. Thanks, Roback. There were so many opportunities to get back in Tesla today that, you know, six months ago I would have been like oh, I was just like make, I can make some of it back I can make some of it back but that wasn't the plan. So anyway, I'm just I am so well, Te- Tesla proud was very of tricky that. today
1: also. Your stock was certainly moving a lot today. And so who knows what could have happened with that trade? I mean, that trade may may have ended up being a monster winner. You just don't know. Uh right. right. But but there were reasons for it to go up today and there were reasons for it to go down and whether any of those are accurate time will tell. But um, you know, that's just the nature of trading as you know. And uh, I think you should congratulate yourself on, on the execution of the trade, even though the trade did not work out.
0: For sure. For sure. I there's, I don't know. It just is such a, such a calmer way to trade. I talked to Ellis last night And he asked me how I felt like mentally when I've been trading recently. And I was like, I feel great. I've never felt better. I feel totally calm. And he said that he notices a switch in people around the, their second year when they've done it two full years of just like that experience kicking in. And I'm always so it, like, I always think of you and how honest you were about how long it took you to implement the rules and get profitable and stuff. And its I haven't really found anyone who's found a way to cheat the time that you have to put in.
1: Yeah, I I don't think you can cheat the time. You might get away uh, for a little bit by doing that, but I don't think there's any better teacher than just flat out experience of making many, many, many trades and going through the process of executing the trade and accepting the result and, and, and everything. I mean, almost to the, you know, when you've done it thousands of times, it becomes almost robotic, but robotic might not be the right word because like in my case, it's not emotional for me, but it's certainly not robotic. I mean, I, I, I'm not just not watching it or doing anything i'm moving my stop loss around and i i might cut a position early if it's not working uh versus what i originally had intended so it's not there's nothing robotic about it but as far as taking the emotion out of it because you've thought the 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 trade through before you made it yeah robotic might be the right word
0: yeah it for sure that makes a ton of sense so where you said that you're in a few different discords where are you these days
1: so i'm in sapphire uh i'm in goblin gang um i'm in tr- uh trade on the wires discord and uh i'm also in in titan traders
0: that that's a lot of places
1: <laughs> well you know i i Yeah, I guess it is. Um, But uh, Sapphire is where I started, Mm -hmm. as you know, and and, uh, so I owe a lot to Sapphire. Um, But I like getting ideas from a lot of different places. And so, you know, um, when I post trades, I'm always posting them on Twitter because no matter what Discord someone's in, they're all on Twitter. And so... um, I, I try to make sure to do that, but yeah, a lot of ideas coming in and one, one set of eyes. And so, uh, you know, you're just constantly feeling information and trying to provide some at the same time.
0: How, what's your setup like? How many screens do you have?
1: I have two screens. Um, I don't trade on my phone. I don't use my phone. I just have two monitors and, uh, and, and, and try to keep it simple. I've got uh, Twitter and, and, and Discord on one. I've got my Street Smart Edge through Schwab on the other screen and that's how I go about it.
0: So you're not like, how many charts are you looking at at one time? Wow.
1: What I do is I have 65 stocks on my watch list and I'm constantly updating it. Um, so I'll update it tonight. I'm I'll update it tomorrow morning before the market opens, so that when the market opens, the 65 stocks that I want to watch are on that watch list. So that's the work I do in between to make sure that I, you know, when I'm calm and and not involved, I can actually think about okay, I want these stocks on my watch list. I don't want to watch these other stocks anymore. And I'm tweaking it, and it's. But it's 65 names. And if I have it on my watch list, I know the indicators that I want to see. It might be volume related. It might be price. It might be both. It might be a news catalyst. And if I see that appear, then I will pull up the chart and I will look at the chart and decide if I want to make the trade. And so I'm not watching a number of different charts at one time. I am watching one chart at one time. Um, even if I'm holding four or five different positions at once, I'm still only watching one chart. I mean, I know the levels. I've you know, I might toggle charts back and forth, but I'm literally only looking at one at one time, um, and that's just how I trade. So, for me, the preparation is a big part of it because um, once I've done that. I I have the indicators I need to see in order to consider buying the position.
0: Do you have alerts set up?
1: I do have alerts set up.
0: Okay, so those will come up, and then you would go to the okay.
1: I set alerts uh, every day, and they might you know, if an alert goes off, then I'm looking to see what the alert is, and I'm pulling up the chart immediately because. I set the alert for a reason.
0: Mm-hmm. And so,
1: and usually the reason is if this alert goes off, I want to buy this stock. And so I will act very quickly if an alert goes off and make a decision literally within a few seconds of, of whether or not I'm going to buy it.
0: How, what do you think the percentage is that you buy it after your alert goes off?
1: Probably half. Probably half. Sometimes I pull it up And upon pulling it up, it will not look exactly like I thought it would look, given the reason for the alert. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the price might be where I want it, but the volume isn't when I look at the candles. Once I've pulled up the chart, when I'm looking left, and in that case, I'll just, I'll hold off and Mm -hmm. wait and watch. I might buy it later, but I'm not buying it immediately. So, probably half the time.
0: Are you what kind of trader are you are you a are you an EMA trader are you a breakout trader
1: i am primarily a dip buyer okay um where you see one to three candles of support volume support and and pricing support um on the stock and if i get that then I'll probably buy the dip. Um, But I have to see the support in order to buy it. So many of the trades I make, the majority of trades I make are dip buys. But only early in the day. Late in the day, I don't want to buy dips because most dips, if it's late in the day, they aren't coming back. I want to buy breakouts. And lately, I've started buying a few more breakouts actually during the day just because um, I like the way the chart looks. So, you know, dip buys are my favorite positions. Um, and and I'm also, a, when I see a stock that that maybe it, it hits a high early in the day, then it sells off, then it tries to test that high again, and but it can't get through and it sells off. And then it comes back a third time or a fourth time. Those are some of my favorite plays because I know that if it gets through, it's going to run. And... The run will be usually pretty extensive because it had to work all day to get back to that high level and finally clear it. So someone wants it, you know, and if the vol- if the volume is there, it can really run. If the volume is not there, then it may retest and fail. But uh, most of the time, if it's getting later in the session, it's going to clear and it's going to go.
0: Is that an A, B, C, D pattern?
1: Uh, I guess so. Um I I think some people call it that. Um but yeah. Yeah.
0: So when it's pulling back to the support for your dip buys, are you using EMAs or are you using like levels?
1: Uh if it's pulling back to support, I use the EMA line as if I'm considering getting into a trade, I want to see if a stock is going to rise above the 13 EMA. So if it's starting to rebound and then I see that it's getting close to the 13 EMA, if it can cross above it, then we have a much better chance for it to go higher because that 13 EMA starts acting as resistance. Mm-hmm. And so I like using it that way on dips. When a st- now Conversely, when a stock is running higher, so let's say I buy a stock it starts going up, and I'm moving my trailing stop up. I'm also watching the 13 EMA because the 13 EMA acts as support. And so, you know, sometimes you'll see stocks, and you're thinking, maybe I should sell the stock, and I'll look at the 13 EMA, and it's like 10, 15, 20 cents below where the stock is. And I say to myself, there's no reason to sell that stock right now. Because this 13 EMA is so far from this, style, this thing has a chance to continue, and I'll just use that as support. If it crosses below it, I'll sell. I'll give up some of the gains, but I'll sell because there's a chance it can continue to go higher. I mean, there have been trades I've made where there have literally been 30 or 40 candles on a five-minute chart above the 13 EMA. Like, it never, it never crosses it. And goes below it; those are monster trades. And uh-huh. so, I I use it that way as support. So I use it as resistance when I'm buying a dip, and I like to use it as support when I have a stock that's that's moving higher, and uh, and the chart is looking fantastic.
0: That's so. And Ariel also has a similar like he plays it on the daily, but he and he uses the ten. So it's like we. We're gonna stay in the stock until the daily candle closes below the ten e m a and it is like that is such a simple rule and a great way to exit.
1: you know it's interesting because last week um when the market was getting hammered, the spy was really struggling, obviously, right? I mean, it couldn't hold three sixty five is it going to hold three sixty and every bounce got decimated, and for me. I was watching the SPY and I was watching the 13 EMA and candle after candle after candle, the 13 EMA was above the SPY um, on the chart. And, and it was like this trend has not been broken. And so what I tell people is people ask me about that, and I'm like, look, put the 13 EMA or a 9 EMA or 20 EMA, whatever EMA you want to use. I use 13 just because that's how I was trained, but whatever. Pick they're all they're all close enough that it's probably not going to make that much of a difference. But if you, if you see candle after candle where your stock or the or or an index that you're looking at cannot retrace and get above it, then the chances are good that we're going lower. You know, and lower and and that's exactly what happened on the SPY. I probably saved myself money because the SPY started getting down there and I was and the you know, there's a lot of volume, but I'm thinking we got to bounce somewhere. And then I looked at the chart, saw the EMA line. I'm like, I can't buy it here. And I, and I, and I never bought it that day, you know, figuring, well, maybe next week will be different. But that day at that time, like Thursday and then Friday, I could not buy it because I did not want to get smashed down further if I was wrong. And there was no reason to buy it. That's the thing. That's what the EMA taught me. There was no reason. There was mm-hmm. no, the chart looked terrible,
0: yep. you know. Yep, I think I I learned that. I learned something very similar about that from Rodessa, and he's like, if if you're going long and your stock is not above the ten EMA, you have no you have no reason to be in that trade. And like, of course, Ariel preaches that as well, but I love. Kind of simple things like that. It shark has a very simple rule of like you wait for the 15 minute candle close and like that that's going to tell you where the stock really is. And things like that are just simple and easy to follow. But like if a stock can't break the 13 EMA, it's like not bullish <laughs> or an index or whatever. I mean it's just like and you can do so much. Like in your mind, you can do so much. It's got to bounce somewhere or, you know, talking yourself out. But I I don't know. That is, it's just like what you're saying. Like you have to trade what you see on the chart, not what you're thinking. It's got to bounce somewhere.
1: It's one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest things that I've ever, that I've ever learned about trading, which, you know, on the downside and on the upside, because on the downside, you, you, you think it's got to bounce that's, you know, that's 22 red candles in a row on the five minute chart. It's got to bounce. And at some point it probably will bounce, but it may not bounce that day. And it may not bounce before you get another eight to 10 candles lower. So what's that worth to you? You're going to step into that trade and immediately you're going to get hit lower and you're going to get stopped out. That's what it's worth. Why? Because you did not wait. For the trend to change and something to confirm that the trend would change, you know. And along those lines, like on the upside, I used to do this a lot, and I still do it sometimes. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll see a stock that's that's it's just cruising. I mean, it's going great. There's no reason to sell it, and I'll think that's 15 green candles in a row. This, we're, we're, without a drop, this stock is nowhere near the 13 EMA, but. It's probably going to. I should just take profits here. And what I should do instead is raise my stop, either my trailing stop or my 13 EMA, whatever I decide to use, or both to determine where I'm going to set it. And you you do not sell unless or until it gets hit. You know, some people will see, well, if I if I don't sell here, I'm going to give up 10 cents a share. Yeah, but you might lose the 30 or 40 cents if it keeps going. And I have literally seen stocks Like I said earlier, that they never break the 13 EMA all day. I mean, it's like it's their day and they're gone to the, you know, to to higher heights. And so you gotta trade what you see and get out of your comfort zone both ways. And that's something that I've worked on very hard for many years, and I still struggle with that sometimes.
0: I mean, that's so similar to the story I just told about the Tesla, because yes, my stock got hit above my entry, which is where I put it. But if Tesla had broken down today, like I stood to, so I lost whatever it was, 1600 unrealized gains. That wasn't, that money wasn't even mine. Like that was, this is a fake money. It doesn't even matter. But like, I stood to make thousands more dollars if it had broken down and I am working on letting, letting winners run, like as you were just talking about, and that's, it's a very difficult thing to do, especially in a market where the safest thing to do is take money off the table.
1: Right. Right. You know, I've tweeted this on, on, uh, on Twitter several times in the last few months. Um, and the reason I, I, I tweeted is because I see people, um, uh, Making the same mistake, and what the mistake is is if if you have uh you know pick a number if you if your risk on a trade is five hundred dollars, but if you're right, your reward is five hundred dollars that is a one to one ratio that does not work. people who go into trades like that over time lose money mm-hmm. you, you you know you have to have in like in my case it's got to be two to one or three to one. It doesn't mean you'll always get it. Sometimes you may end up getting one-to-one because the the, the trade changes once you're in it. But going in, when you're deciding, am I going to take this trade? If you can't envision a two-to-one return minimum um, reward versus risk on the trade, then that trade is not for you. And that is something that's been instrumental for me in my career because I've passed on a lot of trades that years ago I would have taken, uh, and the reason I've passed on those trades over the past you know three three and a half years is because the math didn't work, the math was no good going in, and so you can't trades like that like on your Tesla example. That's what got me thinking about it. Yeah, if you're wrong, you lose sixteen hundred, but if you're right, you're probably making thirty two hundred minimum, maybe five thousand, maybe seven thousand. Who knows the way that's that that stock can go. And that reward versus risk ratio made sense to step into that trade and do it. So I get it.
2: This episode is brought to you by a new social investing platform called Personify. Personify is a gathering place for both stock and crypto investors to share trade ideas, portfolios, and investment analysis with the community. The app was inspired by modern investors who enjoy trading within a community and sharing ideas, but lacked a platform specifically designed for it. Traditional social media platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and Discord weren't designed specifically with this in mind, which makes it difficult for creators to share and learn. Personify is great because it's the only platform that specifically acts as a personal investing journal where subscribers can learn while also keeping track of their own thoughts and ideas. It's a culture devoted to learning and understanding the why behind trading strategies. It's the go-to social destination for both economic content creators as well as students of the market. Download the app and join the Personify community today.
0: Yeah, it was... So I stopped out when it was at... 250 which was the line I mean that was the line that well I I needed it to stay above 250 so when it I mean I needed to stay below 250 so when it crossed above 250 I got out no problem but the next target for that stock was like 235 dollars so like that was a fantastic trade
1: right right yeah and you'll do it again
0: Right, and And, you'll
1: and you'll make that trade again,
0: and it could it mean it could work,
1: right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. I also um, when I as soon as I stopped out, that's when that Twitter news came out, and there was like a huge knife on it, and I thought to myself, like, how many times have I been in a trade? And not stopped out because I think there will be some kind of piece of news that comes out or a tweet or like we were talking about earlier that will somehow save me from getting out of this trade. And like the one time that I am like, I'm stopping out because this is my plan. It happened. I was like, it is literally one in like a thousand chance that that would happen.
1: Yeah. 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 I know. But... I know. We've all been there. I mean, totally had that happened, but you know, it, it's just a part of trading. And so it's, it's like one of those things.
0: Yeah. So I did want to ask you, I want to ask you sort of when you've had a bad day in the market, not necessarily a red day because not all red days are bad and not all green days are great. But when you have a day that you're like, maybe I could have done a little bit better or I just didn't have the best day. What do you do sort of that night? How do you move on into, I'm going to leave that there and I'm going to go on with my life. And then I also wanted to know what kind of like books or movies you're enjoying right now.
1: Uh, Okay. Well, um, if I have a red day or a negative day, uh, I usually take some time after the close, whether that be after the regular session close or the after hours close depending on if I'm trading after hours. Some days I trade it, some days I don't. But I usually take a few minutes and and think about the trades I made during that day. And I think about what I did right and what I did wrong. Um, and, and kind of try to understand why it was a red day. You know, because usually um, if you dig deep enough, there's some reasons. And... Sometimes the reasons aren't right in front of you, especially if you make a number of trades per day. You, you don't remember the the intricacies right away of every trade. So I like to review my trades online and kind of think about it, maybe pull up a few charts, look at it, and, and and try to figure out what happened and if there was anything I could do to improve. And I mean, there's always things you could do to improve, but what I'm really concerned about is analyzing if I was thinking about the trade correctly when I made it and if I was thinking about the trade correctly as it was going on. And if all things considered, I executed it pretty well. It just didn't work out because the trade didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of think that stuff through for, for a while. And then once I'm done, um, I shut it off and, and I go Try to do other things, um, you know, whether it's with my family uh, or working out or reading a book or going for a walk or whatever it is, um, getting in my car and going somewhere. I mean, I, I try to get some distance away from the market before I come back to it maybe that night for a little bit or maybe not, maybe not until very early the next day. So, you know, I'm always thinking about the market in some form or fashion. But sometimes I'm thinking about it a lot, and sometimes I'm thinking about a little. And I mm-hmm. think you have to have balance um, in your life to be a successful trader. And so I try to work very hard at that. As far as books, TV shows, um, I, I, I like reading trading books. I like reading autobiographies because I really like um, – I like seeing or reading about people – Going through different periods in their life, and 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 how they got through, you know, how they grew as a person, how they uh, overcame challenges. I I mean, and some of the stories are fascinating, um, you know. But I like autobiographies a lot. Uh, I like nonfiction books. As far as TV shows, I mean, I watch pretty much uh, almost every sporting event there is because I love sports. But I also like Big Brother. And I'm a huge fan of the show. That's me.
0: What a great, what a fantastic answer! You also watched Ozark, yes?
1: Yes, I watched all of Ozark and thought it was fantastic. You watched what did it you too, think... right?
0: Yes, yes. I I'm in a deep a deep depression that it's over. What did you think about the end? Spoiler alert! Don't listen to this if you haven't seen the end. But what did yeah.
1: you? Yeah, I won't spoil What's it for. Scene? I didn't love it. Okay. I didn't love it. Um, I, I understood it, but I didn't love it. And, uh, you know, I won't say why I didn't love it, but I think the reason I didn't love it was the same reason a lot of people didn't love the ending. But yeah. overall, I mean, the show was uh, phenomenal, exceptional.
0: I it was thought. so good. Have you ever listened to um, oh my, Smartless? The podcast? No, I have not. It's Jason Bateman's podcast and it's uh oh with the two
1: with the two other guys yeah i've heard it's uh fantastic
0: it's fantastic and his delivery it's never off whether it's on tv or he's just talking and whatever he has a wit that just it's generational let's say
1: he's very talented no doubt
0: very talented man yeah <laughs> well this has been absolutely delightful uh, before I let you go how's how's your Notre Dame season going for you <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, you know they're two and two and uh, mm-hmm. it was a, a, a losing at Ohio State there was no shame in that that was a tough loss at home against Marshall uh, in the in the uh, opener in South Bend um, I think they'll be okay. There won't be any. Uh, it, it's we're probably a year or two away from contending with uh, your team, Georgia, for a national championship, but that's okay. We're building, and we'll be
0: there. I can't wait. I can't I th- wait. You guys are fantastic competitors. I
1: thought about you last weekend when I was watching Missouri.
0: Oh God! Almost I'm wondering if your weekend. I was in a, a cardiac arrest unit. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very tough can, game.
1: Yep. Yep. But there's always challenges like that a- along the road to uh, the playoff. So,
0: my husband takes those very hard and very personally because he thinks that he has underestimated the game. He's like, "I did not value these opponents enough to like get my get my attire on and be looking at the TV." And I took he he's like, "I thought this was a cupcake game." I'm like, "This is not your <laughs> you did not personally make the game go this way." But it was, it was But he
1: is game. right. You can't take anybody for granted, especially when you're the, de- the defending national champions, because you're going to get everybody's best shot. You certainly got that last Saturday night from Missouri. That was a good mm-hmm.
0: game. Kent State was a good game.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, it was. But you know what? Um, it's all working for you. you got a ring, and uh, you're probably going to be playing for another one this year, so enjoy it.
0: It's what a time to be a Georgia fan and man, have we been wanting it for a super long time. I also Notre Dame. If you have not watched the Manti Teo untold documentary, it is worth the watch for anybody.
1: I saw it. Yeah. I agree with you. Very, very good and and very, uh, heartfelt.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. The story was told. Well, uh, a lot of nuances to that story and they did a nice job. Certainly. Well, I could talk to you for another four hours. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your honesty. And um, I hope we get to do it again tons of times. Thank
1: you, my friend. Great to see you, Blaine. Thank you very much. By accessing
2: this podcast, you acknowledge that the Penny Lane Podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional or financial advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Penny Lane Podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast, and information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third party materials or content of any third party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Penny Lane Podcast. The Penny Lane Podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third party materials or on third party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein.